The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Coming up on UFC Unfiltered, uh, Matt is still away, and uh, my pal Luis J. Gomez is subbing. We have phone calls from champion Michael Bisping, Forrest Griffin, and Matt calls in just to make sure that we haven't fucked up and replaced him. UFC and Digital Media present UFC Unfiltered with Jim Norton and Matt Sarah. Powered by digital media. Find your voice. And now, your hosts, Jim Norton and Matt Sarah. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Matt Sarah will be back on Thursday. He's having sexual reassignment surgery. He's um, made a decision, and Matt's just a guy who doesn't wait. He just goes through with it. Um, I was shocked. He called me on Saturday. He said, uh, I'm having SRS. I said, all right, see you Thursday. He said, fine. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, Lewis is back in. Uh, Lewis J. Gomez, who uh, always a treat. Thanks, Jim. Very happy to be back. Um, I didn't watch the fight, so don't tell me what happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> what a fun... By the way, before we start, I, I am so frustrated, because uh, Bob Kelly is a comedian. For those of you who don't know Bob, he's a funny comic, big UFC fan. Talked to him the other day, and instead of lollipop, he says lollipop. Lully. And it's, it's been driving me fucking crazy yeah. all morning. Yeah. Lollipop. Yeah. Who says that? I almost can't be friends with him anymore. Yeah, he... Uh, he Is that a very reason to end a friendship? Yeah, probably. Um, you could, I, could, I could take from that that you really never liked him that much in the first place. No, that shows... I love him. That's yeah. the, if I didn't like him, then lollipop would be an excuse. But I genuinely love him. And yet lollipop... B- bothers me on a, a visceral human level. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's got a very—he's uh, got a Boston accent, but it's also a very Bob Kelly Boston accent. Yeah. So I've never heard that from anyone in Boston. Lollipop. I've never heard that from another person, dude. There's no you in it. <laughs> it's it's like a lolly, L O L L Y. Hey, that's my, this is my friend, uh, Mully. Yeah. No, it's Molly. Well, you know, I'm gonna be what honest you say, with you. Uh, you have a Molly, uh, a Holly Jolly Christmas. If you. <laughs> If you've never seen Bob Kelly, uh, he, look, he's he's a big he's a big boy, and I would I'm going to take uh, his pronunciation of any type of candy or pastries over yours, Jim. You're a he's little wrong. man. Hey, deck the halls with boughs of holly. No, you don't say that. <laughs> Wish Bob was here so I could scream at him. Lolly, well, are you not a fan of Dolly Parton? <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yes. Really bothers me, Lollipop, because he called in the radio show the other day. He's on tour, and he's just promoting his gigs, 
And he said something about lollipop. Yeah, why was he talking about lollipops? He made fun of it. I think I mentioned a cock, and he just makes the association. Yeah. And um, <laughs> he said lollipop, and it's been bugging me a lot. But today, it just really ruined my day so yeah. far. Well, you know, this is it's a good sign that that's the worst thing that's happening in your day is Bob Kelly not pronouncing something correctly. You know what? That's not a bad point. How fun was the debate? I love watching them just be mean to each other. Yeah. I was on my way back from a gig, and we turned on the second oh. half uh, on the on the way back. Um, but my buddy Dave Smith gave me the highlights from the first half. And apparently Trump did, look, he did much better in this one than the other one. He did. But it's fun to watch people who go, I don't like dirty politics. It's all I like is dirty politics. Yeah. I don't care who's saying what. It's so entertaining to watch them. Because, you know, if you're going to run the country, I don't care if you're a liberal or a conservative. I want to know the dirt under your fingernails. And the more dirt they attack each, that's the, because they all spit out shit for policy. You know, you can't believe any of them. Yeah. They're all liars. Well, yeah, they're just literally just saying whatever narrative the people that are going to already vote for them want to hear. Um, Did Trump, this is what I heard, Trump brought out six of the women that accused Bill Clinton of sexual assault and sat them in the audience next to each other. Yeah, it was to make not a good Hillary for the uncomfortable. Wow, and make Bill uncomfortable. Thank you, Mister. It gave me a hard on. Yeah, me too. Just the idea of it gave me a hard on. The idea that he would do that, his gumption. That's crazy. That is that is dirty. It actually made me respect Trump more. That's a nasty, dirty thing. So Hillary's got to look out and make eye contact with six women that are that accused her husband of sexual assault. <laughs> yeah, it was really rough. And uh, it's funny. This is how I bring it back to UFC. Boy, talk about a knockout blow. All right. <laughs> now, listen, man. Look, dude, here's a simple question. Uh, you know, do you ever uh, you do anything today that could have put you at risk for identity theft? I just wanted to ask you that. Uh, yeah, actually, I had my, uh, like an idiot, when I used to go to the gym, I used to leave my all my stuff in a locker, just assuming that nobody would ever steal my wallet out of my locker at the gym. Within three days at uh, the New York Health and Racquet Club, somebody took my wallet out, and my social security card is just out there. To this day, somebody's probably walking around as me. Well, some of us haven't gone that far. You know, sometimes you buy something uh, or anything, actually, with a credit card. Maybe you used your cell phone out and about with the uh, locator on. The locator is very dangerous. Did you uh, connect to a public Wi-Fi? Or did you post any photos to social media? What? I'm a yes on all of these yeah, things. everything. These are everyday activities for all of us. They're also the day-to-day activities identity thieves count on. The more of them you do, the more opportunities hackers have to steal your personal information. It's a tremendous problem. Recovering from identity theft can take years and feel like a complete financial and emotional disaster. Right now, there's a guy running around as a comedian named Jim Norton, and he's doing much better than I am. Yeah. Which is not saying much. He's actually suing me. Uh, That's why I decided to help protect myself with Identity Guard. Now, with Identity Guard, you get protection from a company that's been in the business for over 20 years, one that's helped protect more than 47 million people. You can be protected like that too. Identity Guard (laughs) continuously monitors millions of transactions and articles and sends you the news, tools, and guidance you need to minimize your risk. Plus, if you were to become a victim of identity theft, Identity Guard's victim recovery specialists will be there to help you through the recovery process. Identity Guard even offers identity theft insurance 
with coverage of up to a million bucks. So get the identity theft protection service that's right for you. Visit Identity Guard at identityguard.com slash podcast. That's identityguard.com slash podcast. It's really weird the problems that we face. You know, when you look at a society, like, I guess they're luxury problems. Like, you know, you ever drop your cell phone. I've dropped my cell phone. I'm like, ah, fuck my cell phone. But like the miracle of having a piece of glass that I can send pictures of my dick with. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, the miracle of, of this stuff. Yeah. I was watching the debate last night on the way home in the cab. Like on YouTube, it's streaming. Like it's fucking amazing. The downside is uh, when I was racing home for my spots the other night, I missed the prelims for the fight because I was working. So I went home just in time. For, I think I missed the first fight of the main event. I caught the uh, Stefan Struve. Uh, oh, God damn it. I don't have the list in front of me. Don't yell at me. Don't yell at me. The, listen to me. It doesn't yeah, even matter if, you, if you read his name. You're, you're not right, going to be able Polish to say it correctly. Guy. So uh, have no, no, fun. Hold on a second. I'm really good with names. Only a nunchucks. That's what I was calling him. Uh, <laughs> good enough. Uh, Daniel uh, <laughs> Good <Smith>. job. <laughs> Daniel Smith. <laughs> Stefan Struve defeated Daniel Smith. <laughs> How do you say his name? Uh, I have no idea. Lankus or M- I believe Lankus. it's Omelanchuk. Omel- Omel- Omelanchuk, that's right. Yeah. Guys, That fucking Stefan Struve is oh, he's the best. Phenomenal. What man. a fun. He looks like you stretched out, yes. and like enlarged by thirty percent. He looks 30%. like me if I was a man and I cared. <laughs> like if I cared about how I looked. I, I missed the uh, uh, Bechtick uh, beating uh, Russell Doan. Yeah, uh, that was know. a really fun fight. Too. I'm annoyed that I missed that, but uh, Struve is so much fun to watch. And then uh, he's so young too. How old is Struve now? He's like 24, 27, 25? I want to say. No, he's, yeah, he's probably a little bit older now. Maybe yeah, 26, but he's had like fourteen fights, right? Or hasn't he? Yeah, eighteen, I think. Oh, it's ready to humiliate me in front of our guests. All right, sorry, <laughs> sorry about that, Luis J. Gomez. I normally know the name. Um, and and Manoa defeated uh, OSP Ovin Saint. I'm pissed Cruz. off at Manoa. Why? Because, dude, here's the thing. Manawa is, for, he looks like a, a god. Look at his body, okay? It's crazy, okay? He, he, he is the, like the, the perfect dude that you could put on any fitness magazine. He's from Great Britain. They love the fact the accents, that he has yes. that accent. Super marketable. Good-looking dude. In great shape. Crazy. It's all like first and second round knockouts. He just tears through people. His only losses came to Anthony Johnson and Alexander Gustafson. So literally dudes that if you lose to, it doesn't even matter. How did Gustafson beat him? Uh, I'm, I'm guessing Johnson knocked him out. Yeah, Johnson knocked him out. I th- did Gustafson beat him to a decision? I think it was a decision. I'm not sure. You got to look it up. Um, but it, these are guys that it's like he's right there. He's super marketable. All he needs is a couple wins, and he's right there again, right? He has this big win last night, um, or on Saturday night, rather. They put the microphone in his face. They say, who do you want to face next? And he goes, hey, mate, you know what? Whatever. I don't really care. It doesn't really matter to me. And you're like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Because polite British guys never no. talk shit. They don't eat. What was his name? Uh, Lennox Lewis would respond. Yeah. You know, but he really wasn't a shit talker. None of those guys were. They, dude, you need to. You have very few opportunities in your career where there's going to be somebody after you win in a UFC fight where they put a microphone in your face and you have an opportunity to. to literally, you could gain hundreds of thousands of fans in that moment, millions of fans in a That's moment. Right. And you just shit the bed and go, ah, whatever. Especially when you have that, you have every other aspect. And you watch Conor McGregor, you watch guys like Michael Bisping, you watch these guys who they've made careers out of just just talk a little bit of shit or even make a moment, even if it's just like, dude, when George St. Pierre is a great example, he was not a shit talker. Not but you remember the moment when he, he dropped to his knees and begged Dana White to give him the title shot against Matt Hughes? I do not remember that. Uh, well, probably one of the best moments in UFC history. He created that moment when Joe Rogan put the microphone in his face, and I, I thought it was a real missed opportunity. Yeah, and Mickey Gall created opportunity by calling out CM and then he calls that stage. And a lot of those guys, you're right, have done that. 
By the way, uh, while we were trying to get our pal Forrest Griffin on the phone, do you like Forrest? I, I like love Forrest. Love Forrest. I want uh, I want Anthony Rumble Johnson in this studio. I believe he's a New York guy. I don't know if he trains here, but we've chatted. Uh, I met him at two hundred. We were talking. I, and I really love Anthony Johnson. Yeah. So I want him in the studio. Or there's going to be a fucking problem. <laughs> <laughs> I really have no. Dude, he's a monster. I, I, he really, dude. He's, he's a, a monster. Even in that world, here's how you know he's a tough guy. Even in that world, he's a feared puncher. Yeah. He's a really tough puncher. Although Cormier, man, Cormier is the most. I think the most underrated guy. Why does he get booed? I, I ask this every week, and I'm going to keep asking it. Why does Cormier get booed? He's a, because he's a if you even if you love John Jones, I love John Jones, but I wouldn't boo Cormier. Yeah. Uh, first of all, Jones is getting booed now. People don't like Jones that much. They don't like Jones. One more amazing performance. He's champion again. If he wins, yeah, they cheer Jones. Well, Believe look, me, MMA you know, fans are, are very fair weather, right? So they're gonna like whoever has a big win and an exciting moment. I want. Uh, I want Anthony Johnson to get a shot at the title. So now, are they waiting for John Jones before they make a decision? Because Jones was supposed to have his uh, 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 Nevada State Athletic Commission hearing today, but it's been delayed until some point in November, and he's uh, been temporarily suspended, obviously, since July. Now, I don't know why was it suspended. Chris, comment, comment, Chris. <laughs> well, of course, you know, of course, because of the failed uh, test, they had to suspend him immediately. I know, so. oh, Louis so- oh, J. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You see what I put up with the humiliation, <laughs> why the, the condescending he- tone? Why the hearing was suspended? I'm not sure why. But well, hold on, now he's going to tell me. No, John Jones was once the light heavyweight champion. <laughs> I know. No, but I'm wondering why they delayed his uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission thing. Yeah, there was no word on that, but it'll. He he tweeted actually. That of the day that'll be some point in November. By the way, can we uh, say for the record that it says NSAC and I automatically knew what that meant? It is. Look, you're the best in the business. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm wondering why that was delayed. And uh, Diaz is, Nate Diaz is going to re- receive no further punishment for va- vaping CBD oil at the 202 post-fight conference. USADA released a statement saying in pub- a public warning was an appropriate response to Diaz's use of the specified substance during the in-competition period. That's No, I like that. It's a little bit of common sense. You know, buy the book is important in life. And, you know, no zero tolerance. I get all that, so it's fair. But you lose faith in organizations or corporate structures when they have such a lack of humanity. To me, that's USADA showing some humanity and yeah. understanding the tone and understanding the situation. And Especially after, what a stupid rule after the fight. They shouldn't yeah. test for it directly after the fight. If they want to continue to test for it the week leading up to the fight, fine. But there's literally no reason for it. There's no logical... Well, I know. I, here's my logical reason. Because this way, if you test positive for it right after, you can't say you just took it. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, That's my guess. Yeah. But I, I've been, in high school, I voted most likely to, to, to guess smartly. <laughs> is this Forrest? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Oh, hey, buddy. It's uh, Jim Norton, and Matt is out today. He's in Florida with his family. Uh, Louis J. Gomez is subbing. How you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm good. What's happening? We are very good. Um, we thought you were going to be on the uh, the ISDN. You are supposed to join us for most of the show. I know. A lot of last I'm minute changes. i tell you a story, Jim. About two weeks ago, they said, hey, Matt's going on vacation. He's going to miss a week. That's two episodes. You want to co-host? And I said, sure. I'll do, you know, whatever they need. Anyway, final story. All right, hey, Forrest, you're actually going to do a 20-minute segment <laughs> on Monday. And I don't say this to be bitter at all. That's showbiz. You know, you've got to understand, like, that's this is what I try to explain to fighters. This is the entertainment business. This is the game. You've got to give people what they want, you know? 
this is uh you gotta keep your head on swivel in this business well you're <laughs> very inside joke <laughs> but you know far it's one of these things where uh you're you're one of the most popular fighters you know people love listening to you they loved when you were on the first time it's harder i always prefer to have people in studio because what happens is it, it's difficult on the phone. You know, like when I was out oh, for no, three, I, I prefer in studios, just an easier dynamic. And, and that's, uh, some guys can do it. Like I've been on radio shows, like uh, there's a big one in LA. I won't say the name because I don't know if they say it, but where the, the hosts are in different place. They're on ISDN lines, but I'm like, how the yeah. fuck do you guys do this without looking at each other? I don't understand how they do a full show that way. No, I understand. So, if I'm looking at you, I know when you're done talking and I know when to start speaking. I do a lot of conference calls, you know, because I, I pretend to be a business person. And we always talk over each other. It's always like I'm always listening to two people talk at the exact same time. Fortunately, I don't actually have to do any work related to the conference calls. I just have to be on them. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter. So what kind of businesses are they? Like, are they are they endorsements or stuff like that or just investments you're making? No, no, no. No, like actual UFC stuff. Like, you know, we're having a little veteran athlete summit. We're, uh, you know, we're trying to build this damn performance center. It's going to be awesome if we ever get it built. Forrest, you know, uh, this is Louis J. Gomez, by the way. Um, you know, you're talking about, you know, kind of understanding that it's show business. And, you know, it's kind of a very mature response to being into, you know, being in the business for a long time. Do you remember a time right. when your ego was like attacked where like something you were supposed to maybe get something and you didn't get it and somebody else got it? And you were like, fuck, dude, damn, that really hurt. Oh, you know, not specifically. I do remember talking to the people at Scion. For like a year, over a year, I had conversations with them because I drove that damn Scion. I had like 160,000 miles on it. I drove for like 10 years and I was like, dude, let me, let me rep your car. And they were like, sure. And I was really like not even asking for that much money. I just wanted like a lifetime supply of, of Scions, which are pretty cheap. And, and they just, it didn't happen for whatever reason. I wasn't mainstream enough. And I was like, really? Yeah. It's weird with endorsements too. Like if I mention it, like, uh, like a certain food I eat or whatever on the radio. You can't do it and like, t and then give plugs. It's called payola. It's illegal. But like, I've actually had people send me like protein bars when I've mentioned them and they'll send you a box of protein bars. Cars, I guess a little bit different, but a scion doesn't seem like it's too high price a, a ticket. And you figure a celebrity endorsement for low money and a, and, and a car would be a good deal for them to make. Apparently not. How much does a scion cost? Uh, when I got mine, it was 16, but I think they're 18 now. They've gotten really pricey. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, you, you are one of the most, uh, you know, popular fighters in UFC history. I, I always wonder about this because, you know, you, you guys retire and you always hear about how the UFC is not paying their guys enough and, and, you know, there needs to be a fighter's union and all this stuff. But you're a guy who, you, you know, you had a very successful career. I always wonder, like, how do you make money after retirement? Is it all just, you know, having, you know, your own gym and, and still, still working with sponsors? Or what's, like, what's life like after retirement? Yeah. That, I mean, having a gym, that's a great, you know, if you can build your brand for, you know, I hate when people use that word, everybody overuses it. But yeah. if you build your name, your, your gym, your whatever, your skill set that you teach, that's a great idea. So what I tell fighters is, what other job are you qualified to do? What, 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 what skill do you have? Like, what can you make in another job if you weren't fighting? 
that's what you need to live off of because that's what you will do again. Because 20 people in the history of the UFC have retired rich and famous and gone on to do movies. 20 out of thousands, right? Right. So, like, what are you going to do? Like, what are you doing to set yourself up for, you know, your career in life? And the biggest thing is guys make 80, 150, 60 grand a year. They live off every penny of that and think they're just going to make that forever. But the UFC is the opposite. Not just the UFC, but being in the sporting business is the opposite of every other job. If I'm working at a company, well, it used to be I would get my 2 3% yearly uh, pay increase, right? UFC, all of a sudden, hey, you're not good. You're getting beat up. You're not getting a pay increase. You're, and, then, and then you're not working. And that's just that's the competitive nature of it. And you have to understand that's what you're getting into when you're getting into professional athletics. You, it, that's true competition. It's not like, well, you know, Jimmy's been working for the government for 15 years. He gets his 1% annual increase. He sucks at his job, but we can't fire him because of the unions or whatever, you know? So, so you have to be prepared for that. It's the same thing with the story I was just telling. You know, I've had a lot of near misses in the in the showbiz. And, and that's just the way it goes, man. You, you have to be prepared. Things are going to get harder before they get easier. What I tell you is you need to save a year, year and a half's worth of money to set yourself up for your next career. So if you can sit and do nothing for a year, usually then you can find your next great passion, what you're going to do next. If you... If you're three months, you're out of money, that, that's a very short time period to find a new job, to put together a resume, you know, to, to learn skills, to advance yourself, to do something else. A year, year and a half. You want to be able to live comfortably for that long to find your next career. Does that make sense? hundred percent, dude. I'm, I'm so paranoid about losing everything. Like, we got fired from the radio show, and the Opie and Anthony show got fired in 2002. Yeah, I had just started making good money. I mean, you know, until I was 33, from 30 to 33, I lived in a place that had fucking black mold on the walls. Like, and then I started making money, we get fired. So I got so paranoid about having everything taken away that I became a really good saver. And I became really responsible with my money. But guys who are right. just making so, a lot of money just blow it, and then so they got nothing. I want to break into your house and look under your mattress is what I'm hearing. No, you just find a lot of questionable pornography. <laughs> there's no question. We know what type of porn it is, Jeff. Right, that's, that's the worst thing I want to do. Maybe there's gold in your backyard or something. I don't know. No, I, I'm just paranoid. I just save it. That's all I do. I just don't spend crazy money. I don't buy fancy cars. I lease a car. I, I, I really am fairly conservative, except for the money it's I blow so on sex. I'm the exact same way, because there was a period of my childhood where I was legitimately poor, you know? What did your parents and, do for work? Uh, well, my mom was a teacher's aide, and until I was 13, it was just me and her. You know, my, my parents got divorced when I was, I think, a year, year and a half years old, so it was always just me and my mom for the first you know, 13 years of my life. And then uh, I got out of, I, I, you know, clawed my way out of poverty the way everybody should. Uh, my mom married a dude with a job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the only guy, I'm like the only guy that loves his stepdad. Like, we got a new car, we moved into the suburbs, I went to a school, I didn't get beat up so much. It was great. So you have, have you met your real dad? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I know him. I've, I've seen him. Uh, we, we exchange texts every now and again. Where were you going to school that you got beat up a lot? Uh, this is just in Augusta, Montesano. Oh. Yep. Why were they beating you up? Were you the new kid? Were you awkward? Nah, I was just, dude, look at me. I'm goofy. I had the big ears even back then. Uh, I was kind of a loser until I found sports. 
not that I'm not a loser now, but at least now I'm a loser with some money and that it was decent at a sport, you know? But weren't you a, a, a fighter back then? Like, meaning even though you weren't a trained fighter, you were still probably a pretty big, strong dude, right? Yeah. So I always got, I was big. I was real big young. And that's why I always got picked for the fights. But I have, like, no level of control of my viciousness. I'm either completely passive or like trying to tear your eyes out. So it didn't that doesn't work well for fighting. Well, would you would you would you would fly into like rages where you're afraid you would actually like you start biting people and doing things that are really like way over the top? No, but I, I had a fight and um I come back and my buddy says, Dude, you're covered in blood and I had no idea my face was bleeding. He's like, Where's your shirt? I had no idea where like I don't even remember. It was I'll tell you, it was like <laughs> It was being, it was awesome. It was a great feeling. Like I, I just remember, like as I'm walking to the, like the principal's office, I'm like, I think I broke my hand. My hands hurt. <laughs> and then I actually like I saw my face in the mirror, and I was like, Oh my god, I did not win that fight. I thought I'd won <laughs> until I saw my face. You just named the plot to the Wolfman. <laughs> Nothing. Okay. I just want to make sure we're on the same page here. He hung up the phone. Oh, no. Forrest is looking at his phone like, was that a, is that a joke or was that a serious statement? I can't tell. I uh, My phone's like telling me I'm supposed to be somewhere or something. <laughs> so Again, wait, in the studio. What are you going to do? So you go to so you go to the principal's office. At what point do you say, like, hey, man, I, I actually kind of like fighting? It must have made you feel good that you got bloodied and it didn't phase you. No, so at some point I was just like playing basketball and I realized, you know, you play basketball, you know, outside, outside kind of street ball, fights always ensue. And I realized that I was better at the actual fighting than the basketball. It's like the plot to Teen Wolf. Yeah, there you go, better. <laughs> <laughs> I got him on that one. Yeah, right. I know. He's, I don't know. If, are you laughing with him or at him? I'm not sure. <laughs> good, it's good. I get it. Maybe I just have it. I'm not as, uh, you know, credentialed in uh, movie viewing as you. I vaguely remember Team Wolf. What did you think of, uh, did you watch the uh, fights? Yeah, I watched the fights. I mean, I don't watch the presidential debates because I don't really like reality television, but I did watch the fights. They were quite enjoyable. I I saw the last four uh, on the main card, and it was pretty amazing uh, how Bisping survived that first round. I mean, I I thought he was dead. I'm like, oh, here we go again. It was also amazing how he survived. What was it, the fourth round? He he, got put down? Was it the fourth round that he went down again or the third? No, it was the first and the second. He uh, he got put the down. First and the second. End of the okay. second. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Bisping had won yeah. the second round, and at the very end, Henderson yeah. put him down. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm amazed he survived both of those rounds. What do you think of the performance overall? A lot of people are calling controversy, saying that they thought Dan Henderson should have gotten the decision. Uh, what do you think, Forrest? Man, I, you know, I, I it, it's always happening. That's the sport, you know. I, I don't, uh, I'm, I'm comfortable with the decision. It would have been nice to see. Uh, it, it's hard for me, I guess. I, I personally know and like both guys, um, you know. So it really is like I'm not an impartial observer, you know. I would never score fights. So I would be like, well, that guy's trying harder. I'll just give it to him. Right. And you, I, I respect Michael Bisping so much, you know. Coming back to be the champion at 37, having been through so much, having a very serious eye injury. You know, I watched that fight with him and Tim Kennedy where Michael Bisping lost the scrambles for the first time in his career, and I thought, eh, it might be time for him to hang it up. You know, one thing he's always done is win scrambles. 
you like the way I didn't give you an answer at all? <laughs> well, you know, it is very kind of, political. That was very smart. I thought that you're welcome. I thought Bisping did win. I was I was comfortable with it too, especially since it wasn't a split decision. Split decisions have got to suck if you're a fighter, yeah. unless you win one. Even if you win, it's got to be not quite as satisfying as unanimous. Well, not even that. It's it's the the, the tough part of a split decision is when you're sitting there like, wait, 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 get it, get it, get it, no. And Bruce Buffer milks it just a little bit. He knows. Yeah. That's the game, man. That's the game. That's why people like him, you know? Is it- I, I always joke with Bruce that my least favorite part of fighting was before the fight when he was just, like, doing his thing and hopping around. And I'm just like, man, come on. I'm in here. Like, I just want to fight. Like, this is literally the only part of the fight I don't like is when you're just yeah. sitting there. You're looking at the guy you're going to fight. And it's like, you know, it's like looking at a buffet when you can't eat. You're like, let's just do this already. It's like when you're at a comedy show and the host does time in between the comics when you're supposed to be next. You're like, yeah. dude, just fucking just bring, bring me, me on. Come on. Just bring me on. <laughs> exactly like that. But doesn't it get you pumped up, though, when he gives you an intro like that? I would never did. You know, I mean, if, if walking out with thousands of people screaming isn't enough to get you pumped, like, what do you need? Now, would you walk out with energy, or did you try to reserve? Because I've seen two two different schools of thought. Guys that like like Cormier sprints out to the fucking thing. You know, while his team is still in the yeah. locker room, he's already in the ring, and or, or in the octagon. And uh, other guys like to take it nice and slow, and they say they want to conserve their energy and they want low energy music because it gets their the doesn't get their heart rate all high. And, and how what would, how did you feel about that? Because you used a pretty pumped up song. Yeah, well, then even John Jones, he he walks he walks out he melts the walkout. To, to get that energy of the crowd, to get that crowd vibe, which which is another school of thought. Uh, I I always I did it different depending on the day, man. Just depending on how I felt. There is no normal for me. It's just whatever it is, it is. You had no ritual with it. No. I thought that uh, Musasi uh, was very impressive against uh, Vitor Belfort too. I mean, I felt bad for Belfort to go out like that, but Jesus I, Christ, I did. I did too. Um, Musasi's looked great. If you look back and you think about it, the only fight Musasi looked bad in, I mean, granted, he lost to Uriah Hall, but he didn't look bad. He got caught with something amazing and, and got finished. And even though he was finished, he wasn't like out-out, you know? It wasn't it wasn't a, a bad knockout. <clears throat> the only time he ever looked bad was he fought the 25 minutes versus Machida, but that was his first fight at 85. And that was his first fight coming back after ACL surgery and like a 13-month layoff. That's the only time in the UFC she's ever looked bad. So pretty amazing guy at 85. There was a great moment where it looked like Belfort got off, uh, like he really had him in trouble in the first round, and then yeah. and, and Musasi backs up and did like the no. Like usually when a fighter like shakes his head like he's not hurt, I always think, well, of course, he's obviously got tagged. because you, But when he put his hand up, like don't even think about it, and I uh, waved his finger at him, which I thought was really funny. And he winds up winning. Usually yeah, that's the sign yeah. before get knocked out. I, I read that as, Oh, well, I mean, that means those, those shots landed. Hmm. But that's the other thing that impressed me is, is Vitor did that three times where he charged at him and caught him with good punches and that, that Vitor kind of flurry. And Masasi was able to take a good punch or two. The first, the first flurry landed two clean punches. But, you know, he took that first good punch and was able to just keep walking Vitor down. The other thing I would have liked to see uh, is Vitor's corner was kind of telling him things are okay no, man, get off the fence, dude. You are going to get finished if you're hanging out on the fence. And sure enough, I was thinking in the fight, like, hey, man, you're get get off the fence. You know, that's that's not. I know you're going to charge him, but you know, it's your options are limited there. Were they telling him things were okay in between rounds? I didn't remember that. It seems 
from what I caught, they were, yeah. Well, I noticed recently, you know, 185 pounds, it just out of nowhere got yep. super deep and competitive. You know, 185, it was kind of the softest the softest division for a while. When Anderson was, like, king and on Anderson top. Anderson was bottlenecking it up, man. He was he was ruining everything for everybody. Now, <laughs> now that he's gone, it's great. Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at 185 now. I mean, there's no like any one of these guys could beat any uh, anybody else on any given day. Romero, Jacare, Rockhold, Weidman, Bisping. I mean, it's nuts. Michael Bisping has just the top five of that division. They're all monsters. Who do you want to see next fight for that title? I have no idea. That's above my pay grade. I really don't know. I think I guess whoever looks the best out of the two. You know, who, what have we got? Jacare, uh, Weidman, and and uh, Luke and. Uh, Romero, I think it's Romero, Weidman, Jacare, yeah. Luke. When is Jacare yeah. Luke okay. fighting? New York. They're both no. fighting soon, so I think whoever looks the best out of those two matchups will fight. Oh, uh, you know what's funny? I didn't know that uh, Jacare and Luke were booked. I didn't know that was that was actually a fight. Yeah. Am I making that up? No, I, no, I, I know Weidman. I mean, uh, Chris is fighting uh, Romero at two oh five, but I didn't know that uh, they were booked to fight. It's November twenty sixth oh. in Australia. Oh, okay. That's the main event. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for clearing that up. No, uh, so I saw their fight in Strike Force, uh, you know, and that, that was a great fight. Yeah, now we, we were talking a little while ago about uh, Anthony Johnson, um, and he's booked to fight Daniel Cormier, and, that, you know, you're a former champion of that division. Is that a guy who, I, I always like asking fighters this, is it a guy who scares you at all? Because I feel like Anthony Johnson would scare any person on the planet, yeah, or are you just I not mean, scared of anybody? <clears throat> No, that's ridiculous. I'm terrified of that. Separate you from your consciousness, man. He, he, he didn't like. You know, I talk. You know, people kind of let me in a little, and he accidentally hurts people on practice. He doesn't even mean to, dude. He, he. I mean, you saw the way. Like, you remember when him and Bader fought, and everybody was like, "What was that crap, Bader? What were you doing, dude?" He was trying to survive. He was trying to get Anthony Johnson on the ground as quickly as possible. I understand the strategy. It didn't work out at all. But Well, he I saw Cormier beat him that way. He saw Cormier out-wrestle him, and, and he figured that was the strategy. But I guess uh, Anthony Johnson adjusted appropriately, and uh, yeah. Bader's yeah. Not, not the same guy that Cormier is on the ground. Boy, that, was, that got ugly. I was in New Jersey. That was really an ugly fight. Yeah, it was. It was, yeah. I, I was like, oh, boy, you're not getting out of this, man. And that's, that's the other thing against a guy like Anthony Johnson. Against me, you shoot in, you take a bad shot. Yeah, I'm going to hit you two or three times before you get back to your feet. It's going to suck, but you're going to get back to your feet, and you're going to be conscious. Against Anthony Johnson, you never get back to your feet. You get in a bad spot, the fight's over because he hits you, and that's it. What do you think the key to beating a guy like that is? Is it is it just like avoid him for a round and a half and hope that he gets tired? Yes. yes. Yeah, and, and the thing is people like, well, why does he get tired? Um, you know, I talk to a lot of strength coaches. It's a matter of output. I have never physically put the energy out, like the actual energy, like the horsepower out that he throws in one punch. I'd have to throw like five punches to generate that same energy. So if he throws six or seven hard punches, it's like a video game. His energy bar starts getting low. So you just have to like, you know, hope that those don't land. Yeah, he's fun to watch. When's he fighting Cormier? Uh, is it going to be, I believe it's uh, December 10th in... Uh, I was just there. It's called Jiminy Cricket, Toronto. Okay, so that, that's 206. Yep. Are you one of the guys that don't like John Jones? Because I hear from a lot of fighters that they're not big fans of him. I've gotten along with John Jones. 
somebody's asking a very similar question. I love John Jones. I get along with him great. Now, we were talking before, uh, Lewis was talking about uh, Jimmy Manoa. Uh, he beats OSP, and then he's just a gentleman on the mic. And, and how do you feel about that? Guys that are, at a moment like that where you win what is, might be the, the highest profile fight you fought, do you, do you take advantage and call somebody out, or, or do you play it uh, naturally and quietly like he did? Well, so I, I, do, I work with a lot of fighters on this. You have to be yourself at your core. You know, you, you, you want to be your best version of yourself. That's, that's kind of what I try to tell fighters. You want to be your first date self. You know, the self of you when you're out on the first date and you don't chew with your mouth open. Right. That's how you want to be. Jimmy Manway is a nice, respectful guy. He's good people. So if he comes out and tries to play the villain, it's not going to work. I, I don't even want to say this because I like John Jones, but when he tried to play the good guy, people didn't really buy it. Now right. they're just like, look, I am what I am. People like him more. <laughs> No, look, I understand that as well, and I completely agree. You don't, you know, you see certain guys, they do it, and you can tell it's Only being fake. Only Chael Sonnen has really been able to make, just to manufacture a personality and, and keep it and stick to it, you know? And he's a very bright guy. Yeah, but don't you think that there is still strategy, even within being yourself, right? Even within being a gentleman and respectful, because guys like Randy Couture and George St. Pierre and all these guys that got to the top of the mountain, they were very respectful and they didn't really talk shit. But don't you think there's still a way to take advantage of the opportunity versus when they say, who do you want to fight next? Instead of going, ah, you know what, whoever they put in front of me might... Don't you think he should maybe have a name in mind or have a person to call out? I mean, that was a huge fight. OSP was a guy who just went five rounds with John Jones. There's a, there's a window of opportunity there that might not come again. You're absolutely right. That's ha- Have an idea of what you want next. Yeah, no. I mean, going to a fight, having not concentrating on it, and that's what guys don't do. They don't want to think about the future. You know, you think about right now. But, yeah, have an idea of who you want to fight. I agree with you. You're correct. Have you ever called anyone out like that? Uh, no, I never called anyone out, ever. Uh, again, it wasn't really me. Uh, when I found out Shogun was coming to the UFC, I, I put my name in the hat to fight him. I texted Joe Silva, like, or emailed him, hey, you know, um, I'll fight Shogun. And then I said, hey, you know, I'll, I'll fight Vanderlei when he was coming to UFC. But then that was just almost, I loved watching those guys. Like, that was like a real fun, like, era of fights for me when the crazy shit would go on in pride. So I was like, I want to fight those guys. What do you attest you being so popular to? Because you obviously had that amazing fight, the, you know, the ultimate fighter finale. That was this amazing moment for the UFC. You did so much for the I sport. I think you might be uh, overrepresenting my popularity. <laughs> maybe, maybe you just like me personally. No, no people so love you, dude. People I, love you. And I right. think it's because you, you have an everyman quality. You know, you, you kind of come off like a guy you would want to have a beer with. You're stealing, you're stealing my answer, yes. So I tried to figure out early in my career what makes me special, what sets me apart. Should I dye my hair pink or something? Should I wear, you know, what What do I have that nobody else has? And after years of uh, women telling me I'm nothing special, I realized I am nothing special. I am a- absolutely the kid next door. Like, I'm the kid that used to mow your lawn that just happens to like to fight. I, I am very much an everyman. So I just, I went with it. You know, I, I, I was very much kind of, and, and the other thing is I kind of say what you're thinking a lot. You know, like in, in situations where, you know, I've gotten my ass kicked, or, or I was never afraid to say, yeah, I'm terrified of him. He, he's a bad dude, you know? Uh, and then people people responded because they were like, oh, that's, that's gut felt honesty. Well, yeah, you're honest and you're funny. And I think that people like those 
qualities in a person. I mean, that, that that's a little more than in every man because you know the every man a lot of times is guarded, and you don't seem very guarded. You seem like you just kind of spit it out, and however it comes out, it comes out, and people can kind of sense that. I think that's kind of what people like about Dana too. You see, you know, people ask me about him all the time. You know, I say, hey, what's Tyler Gurdon like? And I say, hey, he's exactly as he appears. Uh, if Dana's mad at you, you know it. If he likes you, you know it. You know, you never have to ask how Dana's go day is going. You know, you know immediately. Oh, jeez. Yeah, he really does. I think that's the thing that made people love him or hate him is that uh, you know they they love how he t- his take on something or they hate it. But you pretty much, I think, like you said, you always know exactly where you stand. Like I never wonder if my job's in jeopardy doing this because I know that the second it's in jeopardy, I'll get a phone call. Yeah, Dana's going to be pissed at you. Yeah, exactly. So Roy Nelson, let's talk about Roy Nelson for a second. Um, he got notified uh, last week that it was a 90-day temporary suspension and was going to be retroactive for uh, kicking John McCarthy after that uh, Bigfoot Silva fight. And he could get fined thirty grand and another ten grand for unethical behavior. Uh, have you ever seen anything like that in the ring before? Uh, I, I was fairly shocked when I saw that, even though I don't think that there was any real danger. No, I mean, I understand... 100% where Roy Nelson's heart was. Big, uh, Bigfoot's been knocked out, what, three of his last four fights, his last three fights straight, something like that. <clears throat> Roy Nelson knew he was going to knock him out. Roy Nelson didn't want to punch a 36-year-old man in the head after he was already out. He wanted John to stop it quicker. He thought that maybe John should have done more homework and been ready to stop it quicker. I don't know. But, but the reason he did that was he was frustrated with the lack of a stoppage, right. which I think, you know, it, it's hard to argue against somebody that says, I did that for another man's safety sure. that I was fighting. So it, it's hard to come out against him. However, the, the counter to that is you cannot touch the referee. The referee is in charge at all times. You cannot jokingly or because you're frustrated, you cannot touch the referee. That has to be something that has to be a golden rule, you know? Otherwise, it really becomes unsafe for refs. Yeah, I mean, that's the last thing you need if you're a ref. If you're going to try to stop a fight, if you're afraid that Anthony Johnson is going to put his fist in your chin, <laughs> or if you fucking separate him, or if you, if you stand them up, yeah. that, that, they have to be completely 100% comfortable and safe in there. Have you have you seen anything crazy, like somebody attack a ref or attack a corner after a fight? To watch. <clears throat> I mean, I've seen, I used to train with, uh, oh, what's his name? The uh, kickboxer. Ah, oh, jeez. He's retired now. He fought in the UFC. He got knocked out by JDS. John Claude uh, Van Damme. <laughs> yeah, Gilbert Ivel. Close, real close. Gilbert Ivel. Oh, he was dirty. Yeah, he's got a bunch of things. Where he grabs a ref by the shirt and starts punching him or something. You know, I, I've seen crazy things. Uh, he he's assaulted a couple refs. Like crazy things would happen in Pride. Yeah. Um, I think my buddy was like, you know, where they like the Pride refs would drag you out into the center if you were in the like under the rope or something. It was, it was ridiculous. It was like six little Japanese guys would come out and move you. It was it was crazy. It was like you had to keep you in the same position. People. Yeah, they did that to my buddy, and he like kicked him off because they were dragging him, like dragging him across the canvas, which hurts. And it was like, ha, you know, what are you doing? So yeah, I mean, I don't even know what you were talking about. <laughs> Roy Nelson and, and, and the whole thing. Right I've distracted myself. Damn it. It's okay. It's still interesting. We would love to have you in studio when you're in New York, man. You're you're an entertaining uh, person. I enjoy you very much. I would love to be in the studio. You know, we could we could have made this really awkward and like FaceTimed. Do you ever like accidentally FaceTime with a dude? 
Um, uh, accidentally, know, yeah. There's like 10 different answers I have for that. But yeah, I've, I've, I've accidentally FaceTimed with, with women by mistake that I was embarrassed about. Yeah, I never want to FaceTime with people. I hate it. Yeah, no, I hate it too. But like, I've done that. And then like, but I actually did mean to call them, you know, because the buttons are right next to each other. So I had to on FaceTime, like tell, uh, yeah. So what what times that shoot today, man? Yeah, all right, cool. All right, um, I'll never FaceTime you again. I apologize. I just hang up. Yeah, just hang up if you FaceTime because it rings differently. Like if you go to FaceTime somebody, uh, it, yeah. it, it rings. Uh, so you're, you're saying I should know? I'm a dumbass. I should like immediately hang up and then actually place the call. No, no, I, th- I don't think you're a dumbass. I think that you're a very sweet man who doesn't okay, want to hang am, up on somebody. I am a dumbass. No, you're certainly not. A you're a lovely man, and you don't want to hang up on somebody. See how I spot Right, exactly. Yeah, that's a gentleman. You're a gentleman. But still, you're right. Uh, man, we should have called somebody out. He missed a big opportunity. Yeah, he absolutely <laughs> did. Uh, I got to do a live read, buddy. Um, but we, we, we love having you on, and uh, I, I would love to spend the whole show with you uh, like, like we did in Vegas. Yeah, sounds good, man. All right, so that's it. I'm I'm cut. I'm out. We yeah, we got to do a live read. We got Michael Bisping calling in. Later, gentlemen. It was good tell, talking. Uh, to you. Tell Bisping you do not open up with a left, a naked left hook against the guy with the right cross. If that's the punch you're afraid of, you don't lead with a left hook. Come on, you know that, Michael. We're gonna ask with exactly that tone too. Yeah, I'm, that's exactly how I'm gonna say it, yeah. Michael. You know this, uh, you moron. Yeah, you know you don't do that. That you, was a what the fuck are you thinking tone. Yeah, he's not wrong either. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay, there we go. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Thank Fars. You guys. Be good. This is UFC Unfiltered with Jim Norton and Matt Serra. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports UFC Unfiltered. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage approval process into the 21st century. Fast, powerful, and completely online, Rocket Mortgage has taken all the complicated, time-consuming parts of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. Hate searching through stacks of old files and paperwork? Of course you do. With Rocket Mortgage, you can easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of one button, helping you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your unique financial situation. Even better, with Rocket Mortgage, you can do all of this on your phone or your tablet. It's a quick online process that you can manage from the convenience of your couch. So if you're looking to refinance your mortgage or buy a home, check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com slash unfiltered that's quickenloans.com slash unfiltered equal housing lender license in all 50 states nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030 audible is offering listeners of ufc unfiltered this very podcast a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. That's pretty awesome. Audible content does include an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original shows, comedy, news, and more from leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, newspapers, and entertainers. By the way, when I said entertainers, I thumb-pointed it myself. Plus, you can check out channels. That's audiobooks collection of exclusive originals, short stories, and comedy Channels includes the best of news podcasts and more handpicked and continuously refreshed. So you're not always going to go back and see and hear the same thing. You're going to be you're going to say, "Why wasn't this continually refreshed?" Well, that's the beauty. It is. Audible also offers the send this book feature. Now you share a book from your library with anyone for free if it's their first time accepting a book. So you can't cheat them and keep doing it. But if it's their first time accepting a book, you can do it. 
Now, maybe you just finished reading uh, Happy Endings, The Tales of a Meaty-Breasted Zilch. That was my first book. Hit number four on the bestseller list, New York Times. Who cares? I'm not bragging. I'm just stating a fact. Use the Send This Book feature. You could share the audio book with a friend, and they get it for free if it's their first time accepting a book. Pretty cool. Yeah, pretty smart, too. I'm actually telling people how to hear my book for free. Yeah. I'm not a smart person, but I believe in Audible, and that's all that really matters. Here's something else that's cool. You get a free audio book of your own whenever you use the code UFC. Go to audible.com slash UFC and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash UFC. That's audible.com slash UFC and get started. I take deep breaths when I talk. I, I, I talk until my air just goes, you're about to die. And then I yeah. breathe deep. <laughs> my breathing sucks. Yeah. No, I think you sound good, Jim. Thanks, Lewis. You're, you're a pro, buddy. You're a good friend, but I'm really yeah. not. Even on the gym, I don't breathe properly. I'm a shallow breather. That's how I got uh, hemorrhoids. By not breathing while lifting weights. Really? Yeah, yeah. And I would hold my breath while I was like lifting heavy, heavy weight, and I blew out my asshole. <laughs> and to this day, it's not right. My asshole forever will never... I will never... If you ever make eye contact with me, just realize that my asshole's always bothering me a little bit. Is it really? Yeah. Don't you want you to fix your roids? Well, I know I did. You always, first of all, you always have hemorrhoids, and you know I use can't the, you get the rid creams of and all that stuff. Yeah, it's fine. It's just never completely back to normal. Ah, oh, it's no good. Yeah. In a way, it's it's better for me though. I, you know, I have a little bit of a roid. Nothing terrible. I take a long time to take dumps. If anybody wants the truth. Yeah. It so. feels good. That's not weird. Take Taking a long time, just enjoying it and relaxing. Yeah. Do you bring your computer in? No. Me neither. Not at all. I bring my phone, though. If you use my computer, just realize you, my shitty fingers are all over my keyboard. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. What, do you bounce my, it on your lap? Yeah, I put it on my knees. It's I all keep warm. my knees together. Oh, I can't shit like that. <laughs> my knees together? Yeah. What are you, a fucking a lady in the early 1800s? <laughs> I can't shit that way. Yeah. And then I, I, I'm nonstop working, so I always, I'm always working on something, even when I'm shitting. I'm I have like crazy ADD. What do you do when you're shitting? On your phone, I guess? Yes, I'm taking pictures. I'm selling them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit of princeofscat.com. No, I'm just, um, you know, I'm on my phone, Twitter, and the dating yeah. apps and all that stuff. I can't stop. Are you on dating apps? Oh, my God, What are yes. you, Bumble? Bumble, yes. Yeah. Raya, Tinder, Raya's, Raya's the, the secret, like, you got to be, you know, hooked up and somebody's gonna give you a secret password and all that shit yeah right? i got invited i had to pay for it but i i, I kind of regret that but here, here's a i read this this morning on the radio but i'll read it to you a woman i was chatting with this is the disadvantage to being jim norton one of many really pretty and uh, we're talking for a while i said we should have coffee and she says we should uh so then she writes so i googled you uh. And found some insane information yeah. about your private life preferences. This, oh, so that and many... in parentheses, she writes, I'm sure you get this a lot, LOL. Oof. And that was it. And then it never... No, I responded. Uh, what? I said, I said, look, I'm a good com coffee companion. Because I am. Oh. I have coffee. I'm a motherfucker when I have coffee. Talk yeah. about I ask about you. Well, that's, about that, me. that's the secret to any date because I, I used to be really bad at going on dates, but I, I've read a lot of sales books because I used to be in sales. And asking questions is the secret to being a good date because women like talking about themselves. So she she Googled you. Obviously, you've talked about being into trannies and things like that. 
Well, um, that's not how we say it, Lewis. Oh, that's right. Trannies is, you're not allowed to say it anymore. Oh, no, right? I meant being into it. Love okay. is the word. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call trannies now, by the way? You know, it's funny. You, you know, it depends on the person, w- w- the source. Like, Bailey J is a good friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, and she'll say trans. So hot, too. And this, she's awesome. And there's a lot of uh, trans performers. Or say you say trans. I usually say trans girl. Just oh, trans. Yeah, trans. Trans. It, it, it's, what is the fucking difference? What, like, honestly, what is the difference? I'll tell you what, they're, what I've heard from people. And again, this, it's always weird when you give a PC answer, you have to say I'm quoting what people's logic has been. Because yeah. I always said, look, I understand certain words that are associated with violence, but tranny's never been violent. And the answer I've gotten when I made that point was, oh, yeah, but it's like a porno thing. It, it, it's like when they say she-male, it's like a porn tape. And they said, we don't want to be characterized by a, by a name that porn gave us. So that was the response that I've heard. I've never heard from a trans a person that they have a problem with it. Every every trans person that I've spoken to, I have friends, I have people that have worked in the porn industry and in the sex industry, they've never had an issue with it at all. It's always some pussy liberal college kid saying you can't say this word or you can't say that word. Yeah, that's a big part of it too. But I've I've also heard it from them, but not critically. I've just I've actually asked. Yeah. So what is it about the word training that's so bad? Like I've just you know, you just said, Hey, do you whatever? Yeah. But how'd you say that with her dick in your mouth? I wait till after when we're getting dressed. Yeah, yeah, of course. What do you think I'm supposed to do? I'm handing over the money. Not talk. Be rude. Fucking towel off. You ask where the fucking mouthwash is, and then you ask some important questions. So, what do you think of the word tranny? Is that yeah. offensive? Mm. No, it's more like. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, uh, what about this word? What about that word? Oh no, Chris Ping. is on the phone. Oh no, he's calling Josh at UFC. Look, he's talking about it again. <laughs> Uh, listen, man, and Lewis and I were talking before, and, and Lewis said, uh, are you hiring? All right, I'm just doing another read. Bad segue. Hold on, I'll do it for you. Boo! Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place is not enough to find quality candidates. You know this. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites, and now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. That's pretty amazing. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire that person fast. And not just that person, but the right person. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over one million businesses. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash unfiltered. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash unfiltered. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash unfiltered. This is UFC Unfiltered with Jim Norton and Matt Sarah. He is uh, one of my favorite people, Michael Bisping. Hello. Well, hello, my friend. It's uh, Jim Norton again and your pal, Louis J. Gomez. Hey, hey. How are you? How are you, guys? Hey, I'm very, very well. I'm on a train, so if you lose me, I do apologize. I'm rolling through the beautiful British countryside, as I say, on a train. So if I do lose reception, my apologies. I saw pictures of you. Are there children running away from you from car to car thinking that uh, Frankenstein is attacking the train? Yeah, absolutely, something like that, because uh, I'm actually just looking at a newspaper, and I'm uh, 
I'm in the newspaper here, and every time somebody walks past, I say to them, it's okay, I'm a professional, and then I point to the article in the newspaper because everybody's looking at me like some kind of goddamn psychopath. I thought they were actually, I was like, are they going to stop this fight after the first round? I don't know if I've ever seen a swelling the way you had under your eye after that first round. How hurt were you in the first? You know, to be honest, I was totally fine. I mean, obviously, you know, it sounds like, you know, I'm full of bravado saying that, but my faculties were with me at all times because uh, I, I remember everything about the fight. A lot of fights, actually, you don't really know what happened and exactly what happened. So he dropped me, obviously, good and proper, and he did a great job of following up in that first round. He got a couple of big elbows, which opened up the big core, and that's what did my eye. Uh, but I, I, as I say, you know, I mean, I was, uh, you know, I didn't have to get back to my feet, and he, he did a good job of ground and pounding, but uh, I was totally with it. And, uh, yeah, I was yeah, I mean, I might get back to my feet. I mean, the thing is, you know, I, I dominated that fight. You know, I mean, he had a couple of big moments, but realistically, he won two minutes of a 25-minute fight. You know, other than that, I feel like I was in control of the fight for the most part. I was soaking down. I was controlling the octagon. I was being the aggressor. I was outstriking him. You know, but he had a couple of good moments, so God bless him. So, let me, the, in between rounds, you came out in the second and it was still pretty swollen. They didn't, uh, what, what, that, that, they didn't press it or put that, that uh, what do they do when they want to press down? Uh, yeah. Is there a reason they didn't do that? You know, I have no idea. That's a good point. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you'd have to ask the cookman about that. But, uh, I mean, he filled it full of Vaseline. And uh, I, I think that, that was his main concern, really. I mean, I don't know, to be honest, if if one of those cold press things would have helped, to be honest, because it was just that swollen. It was kind of ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as I say, you know, I mean, God bless Dan. You know, he, he landed a couple of good shots there in the first and second. But uh, as I say, I have a faculty with me at all points, and, uh, you know, my turn to tide. So at one point, how badly was your vision? Uh, you had surgery uh, to repair a detached retina. Uh, how bad was uh, was the vision by the second round? Yeah, no, no. I mean, as I say, it was, it was swollen, but I could still see. You know, I mean, it, it was definitely uh, well, it was definitely restricted, but I, but I was fine. I, I, I could see, you know. So, I mean, it was, you know, nice and swollen, but I could just... I could still make see Dan Henderson uh, fully, uh, which is a good job. You, you need to see what you're fighting. So, and we, uh, we just talked to yeah, Forrest Griffin, yeah. by the way. Forrest wanted to ask you. You, you don't? Forrest wanted us to say well, to hold you. Hold on. He, you got to say it in the same condescending, cunty tone that Forrest Griffin said it I don't want to say it like that. No, you got to say it. You promised Forrest right. that you would say it For, the same way. You don't open with a left hook to a guy <laughs> who throws a big right. <laughs> that was Forrest. He just said hey, that with he, that tone. I didn't on, care for it, Michael. Fucking asshole. Just mixing it up, my friend. Just mixing it up. What's he know the fucking goofball? <laughs> that was quite a harsh response. <laughs> he also no, he also said that he really loves and respects you. Yeah, he did. Say, he he really did say that he respects you and he, he thinks you're great. <laughs> We're starting no, a war. Like, well, if I was a cool guy, if I was a cool guy, but if he's gonna fucking uh, critique, I'm gonna. Response. Was it? Was there a reason though? I mean, because I, I did notice you throwing the lead left hook. Oh boy, I don't know. You're still going to ask that question well, after his response? Well, no, hold on. I will say because the, the commentators were saying Dan Henderson was covering up his right side a lot. Like he was, re he had his he had his arm glued to his face. Was it was it part of the plan to attack that side of his chin? Were you that specific, or you just look for any opening really? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing is, I mean, uh, you know, generally I, I use the jab a lot, and I had some very successful jabs in there. Uh, but, but, but you can't be too predictable. That's what I'm saying. You know, sometimes you can open with a left hook. Of course, people can fucking counter. You know what I mean? Everyone's got a counter to a counter to a counter to a counter. I mean, what would he prefer that I led with? There's a counter. Whatever he might have suggested, there's a counter to that. You know, so you, 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 you've got to mix it up. You've got to keep your opponent guessing. So, of course, the jab is always a good one to start with. But uh, it's not be overly predictable. You know, if you can land a good left hook, you can land a good left hook. Uh, you know, I was planning on using the left high a lot, which I did. I had a lot of good success with that. Uh, because, you know, I, I know he has his hands to his chin. Now, if you're using the head kick, either uh, he blocks with that arm, which means he can't throw the right hand, or he eats a head kick in the face. You know what I'm saying? So the head kick was a, a good strategy. That's what I was thinking. He's either going to block it or he's going to get kicked in the head. And if he's blocking it, he's not throwing the right hand. You know, so that was the thought. Yeah, that's a good that. point, too, about not seeing, like, the idea of surprise. Like, when Ali Fort Foreman, they, you know, he threw all those right-hand leads. And they said he probably did it just because Foreman would not be expecting him to do that. And that might be the last thing Henderson expects you to throw in the beginning of the fight. So, yeah, I, I hadn't considered that either. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean that's it. I mean, you've got to keep him guessing. That's why I was... You know, a lot of head movement, a lot of feints, a lot of uh, a lot of footwork. You know, you you got to try and keep them guessing. You can't be overly predictable. Yeah. Also, a lot of like uh, a lot of like different techniques with your kicks. I noticed a lot of like unique type karate style kicks. Was that something that you were just specifically doing to keep them guessing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was just trying to keep them guessing. You know, what I mean, using that, that that bit of footwork I was doing and whatnot. Just you know, just I, I was nice and confident. I was in my groove. I felt great. I mean, I know I had those couple of scary moments. But uh, as I say, other than that, I felt really good in there, you know, and I still felt in control of the fight. As I say, you know, he, he did have those big moments, and as I say, God bless him, well done, you know, he's a tough son of a bitch. Mm. Dan Henderson really is as tough as old boots, he's as tough as they come. Uh, but as I say, I felt great, I felt really good. As I say, I was stalking him down, I was being the aggressor, I was, I was winning the fight, but I just allowed him to get off with two big shots, which, uh, you know, he capitalized and fucking made a right mess of my face. And what about the decision, you know, because, you know, we were watching it over at Sirius XM. Obviously, everyone's team Bisping, um, you know, rooting for you. And it was it was very tense because, you know, we scored the fight for you. And I agree with the decision. You know, there a lot of people after every decision, there seems to be a ton of people that call controversy. But before they they yeah. announced you, was there any part of you that was like, shit, maybe they might give him this decision? Well, I mean, to be honest, I was hoping I got the decision. I mean, as I said before, let's be honest. He had two big moments in the fight. Other than that, he was playing sailing. I, I, I controlled the entire fight, far from, you know, at the end of the first round, and I think it was towards the end of the second round. You know, he, he had a couple of big moments. Other than that, uh, I dominated the fight. I mean, was just dead, 49-46. I was confident I got the decision, but even still, when uh, when it goes to the judges like that, you never, you never know. So as I say, I, I, I was expecting to get the decision, but the, 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 it's always a tense situation when he was saying, and I'm thinking, come on, Bruce, get off of it, get off of it, don't tease me. Just fucking say, still on this, which one is it? Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I was confident, but, you know, there's always a little bit of nerves there. And were you, did you think in the second round he looked like he was breathing with his mouth open? And I'm wondering, did he, did he kind of uh, gas himself a little bit at the end of that first drop in those elbows? Yeah, look, listen, I mean, Dan Henderson, we know he's an old veteran. And uh, he faked that nut shot. I'm not sure what round it was, four or five. And it took like four. five minutes off. I mean, that guy deserves an Oscar. It's now four. <laughs> yeah. He deserves an Oscar. That was bullshit because I did not pick him in the balls at all. And he built that. That guy was fucking gassed. He was too tired. 
And he just sat there and he, he, he had a breather. That's why I gave him a bow because fucking hell, the guy deserves an Emmy or something like that. Because that was quite the performance. <laughs> now, did you attend the press conference? No, I didn't. No, I. Uh, what did I do? I was. Uh, I got. There wasn't a press conference apparently, so uh, there wasn't. You know, you know, because it was so late. It was six in the morning, so there wasn't a press conference first day like there is at normal events. Uh, I got stitched off by the doctor that took a while. And uh, then the UFC pissed me off. They insisted that I had to go for a facial test just to make sure I didn't have like a fractured cheekbone or anything like that. So that was all good, no problems there. So, uh, but as I said, there wasn't an actual press conference. Now, what do you? Who do you want to fight next? I mean, you have to have a, a, some sort of a preference. I mean, there's so many good guys, but I mean, you know, f- f- for uh, for fan interest and f- and, f- and for the money, who do you think? Yeah, I mean, if that fucking uh, that whiner, if that Clyde, if Wyman wants to do it, then I'm more than. More than happy. If he gets past Yoa Romero next month, let's do it. I'm happy. He thinks I'm ducking him. He's fucking crazy. I've never ducked anyone in my life. I'm certainly not going to start with that fucking douchebag. So, uh, you know, if he wants to do it, he can come out here and he can try and wrestle me to death, but he'll fucking find himself getting punched in the face repeatedly. And, uh, you know, that ends is so fast, but I'll finish this wife, that's for sure. Why do you think he's a whiner? Is, do you, I mean, he's a pretty tough guy. What makes you say he, that? He doesn't, he, he doesn't stop complaining, does he? Fucking feels everyone owes him something. Fucking preaches on about God and this and that. Just shut the fuck up. He's not part of God's plan. If there is a God, he's got bigger fish to fry than worrying about fucking Chris Wyman fucking fighting. <laughs> now, Wyman was one of the guys that uh, afterwards tweeted out, and I wish I had a tweet in front of me, so I do apologize uh, if I have this wrong, but he tweeted something along the lines of, I do not like that decision, and there was a handful of fighters yeah. as well as fans that, that were complaining about the decision. Yeah, yeah well, they, you, know, you know, I mean, they, they can all kiss my ass. I mean, of course, Wyman's going to say that, because, you know, he, he can't be objective, because he's, his perspective is completely skewed, because he doesn't like me, because he's a competitor. Now, of course, there's other uh, Dan Henderson fans out there, and, and they're absolutely crazy. They're not professional judges. They're fans of uh, Dan Henderson. They're not fans of me. So that's uh, that's skewing their vision, if you will. They're not looking at it through uh, rose-tinted spectacles. That's for sure. They're looking at it as the opposite. But they want Dan to win. They want me to lose. So uh, that's why they see it that way. But the impartial judges that have paid the professionals that do it, they all saw the fight for me. It wasn't a split decision. It was a unanimous decision. 49, fucking 46. And as I say, he landed two good fucking punches in a 25-minute fight. That's it. Over the night, he's gone back for He was fucking backing off the whole time. He had some good moments, as I said, but it was, it, it was, it was, it was too little. You know, you don't win a 25-minute fight by landing super shots. Now, Chris had told me before the uh, before the show. I guess they're changing some of the rules for in the, January. I think, yeah, in right? January. And one of the things that they're going to start judging, one of the criteria they're going to start judging based off of, is um, striking impact, meaning damage in a fight, which is something that they haven't really judged until this point you know obviously looking at both of you guys after the fight you know you look the worst for wear how do you feel about that change and because you know there's a, i think there's a handful of complications that come with that yeah well you know i mean i mean that's all well and good and i think it's a, it's a very very good idea i mean as i say i mean you can't deny the impact you know there, there was fucking they, they, they did some damage in like the two good big right hands and one of them he followed up with a really nasty elbow that oh that, that's what did my was one fucking elbow you know it's not like he spent 25 minutes doing that thing. There was one elbow that did my eyes, and two uh, punches that put me down. That was it. Now, other than that, you know, I, I outboxed him the whole fucking time. So, uh, you know, yeah, great, good. Bring that in. Even still on that criteria, I still won the fucking fight. He landed two good shots. As I say, you don't win a 25-minute fight 
uh, landing two or three good. Yeah, when, when you're fighting, I, I thought of you when you're when, when he knocked you down in the first round. You know, because obviously you're avoiding the right with Henderson. That's the that's the giant threat is the right. He knocked you out with the right. You were, and, and then he hits you with it, knocks you down. Is your party going, motherfucker? This is exactly what I didn't want. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of this, but nobody wants to get fucking punched in the face anytime you fight, whether or not you're fighting Dan Henderson. You don't want anyone to land the right hand on you. So, uh, yeah, of course, I, you know, it's never good. It's in the face, big spot. I didn't want to get kicked in the face, get kicked in the leg. Anytime you absorb a strike of anything, motherfucker, you know, so, uh, you know, that's uh, with the greatest of respect, Jim. Uh, a stupid fucking question. Yeah. <laughs> well, it probably is, yeah, fair enough. I was just. <laughs> you mean, did I think shit when he hit me in the face and dropped me? Hold on, let me think about that. Yeah, I didn't like that one. Well. <laughs> I should probably have rephrased it. That was actually Lewis wanted to ask you, but he was embarrassed when so I said I would. No, it was Forrest Griffin. We asked it the same way Forrest no, would have you know, asked. No, you know what I was, the reason I said that is just be, only because it's it's like when, when a guy hits you and you get knocked down, it's awful. But like when it's the one thing that you have to, you know, you don't even, that's like, ah, oh, fuck. It's like, you know, if Nelson hits you with an overhand right. Yeah, but that's his main weapon and he, he, he built an entire fucking career on that. So you can try and avoid it all you want, but that's what he does. Very well, and he's been very effective with it. He's knocked out Shogun, he's knocked out Lombard. The list goes on and on and on. Vandalay Silver, the, the great guy, that right hand. He's fucking good with it. Do you know what I mean? But he didn't knock me out, did it? You know, I got back to my feet, I carried on fighting, I whooped his ass, and I fucking took the belt home with me. Now, it's kind of funny because the story of your career now, it's, it's, it's literally like a movie. It's nuts. You know, it doesn't seem like there's any easy fights for you. Now, you finally won the title. You know, you know the Rockhold fight was easy, but even so, the story there was you came back from adversity because he had beaten you in the fight before. Um, you know, there's really nothing easy, you know, in the future. I know you had talked recently about possibly retiring. How many more fights do you see you, you having in you before you retire? I've got no idea, but uh, I don't want to do this, uh, you know, I don't want to be doing this before, that's for sure. So, uh, you know, maybe a handful, who knows, who knows. Honestly, uh, I don't have the answer to that question right now. Yeah, Gegard Musasi uh, came out and said that uh, with, even with your performance that night, uh, you, you guys know I could beat him, I would beat him, I would jab his face the whole night easy. Yeah. Hello? Is he still here? He's showing that he's still on, but let, let me hang up. We'll try him back. Uh, we'll, just, we'll wrap up. Good interview. Hello? All right. Well, if we lost him, I should just make up a quote. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that when he got knocked down, it, it's like when a guy is... It's almost like when John Jones knocks you down. Uh, he's great with his feet. He's a, he's a solid wrestler. I mean, he's known for using a bunch of weapons, so there's really not one thing you have to avoid. You know, if you're avoiding the elbow, he puts a knee in your face. If you're avoiding the fucking knee, he takes you... Like, there's always something. Yeah. But with Dan, who can wrestle and who can kick, it's this, that, right. So when he connects with that, you're like, fuck, the one thing I had yeah. to get away from. But, Why you know, me? if you're also working on that one specific move over and over yeah. and over again, different timing, different angles... That's why he's always able to land it. All right, well, let's have to accept the fact we lost Michael. You know, he understands what happened. But a great win for him, man. And uh, I would love to see him fight Chris Weidman. I didn't realize those guys. I love Chris, so I didn't yeah. know there was this little thing between them. I never, he blood. never struck me as whiny, though, Weidman. Honestly, I've never heard him be whining uh, or whiny. I, I've heard him just be confident. But there, maybe there's an interview Michael's referring to <clears> that I didn't. Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, like a lot of guys, when Mike won the title, 
Um, a lot of guys just started calling him out. I, I think Mike's always just been a guy that even before he won the title, he was the, he was always the kind of the gatekeeper and was kind of protecting the the title shot. So he's been a guy that everybody has just been calling out forever. Wow. Um, so you could find tape on anybody in the division just shitting on Michael Bisping. Wow, I'm surprised to hear that. Yeah, I'm surprised to hear. And it's that. also you know he plays the villain. He you know he knew what he was doing when he when he was on the Ultimate Fighter, and afterwards, in the way that he talked shit, he spit at Jorge Rivera's corner. He, you know, he's this brash, ballsy, cocky dude. So, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Yeah, I mean, look, he he absolutely knows what he's doing. He's not not stupid, but uh, I, I never, Weidman never struck me as a guy who whines. Uh, there was one more bit of news. Uh, Chris Cyborg has commented on Ronda. She said, uh, Ronda doesn't say anything. She doesn't even say my name. She used Dana White and her mother to talk to me. Because she knows that if she says my name, she's going to have to fight me. She knows this. My last like fight. Bloody Mary. You say her name three <laughs> yeah. times in the mirror. She shows up. Yeah, or Candyman. Yeah. <laughs> is that what? Is it Candyman? Yeah, it's Candyman. Oh, thank God that I fucked that up because I'm so Sammy Davis Jr. heavy. Um, I broke the nose of this girl in three places, her last fight. Sure, if I fight her, she knows she'll have to do surgery on her face after. I'm not kidding. That would be a very, very tough fight for, our, for Ronda Rousey. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't even know if Cyborg's ever going to be able to make 135 pounds, and it's have to such, fight at 140. It's such a great excuse for Ronda to never have to fight Cyborg. She does not want to fight Cyborg. I'm sorry. You know, it's been the fight to make for years, for years. And Ronda Rousey, if you don't remember, when she came on the circuit, she was fighting at 145 pounds. She had, the, I believe, it was 145 pound um, champion. Hmm, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So. They, you know, they should have fought. You have two of the best girls in the world. You know, look, Cyborg, I think, beats any woman on the planet, period. I don't I don't care who you are. I, I don't see any path to victory for Ronda Rousey. Cyborg's too explosive. She's too dangerous, too good at kickboxing. If you saw what Holly Holm did to Ronda Rousey. That's also, I think, Ronda took her lightly. I think Ronda, sometimes I think as a professional, when you knock a bunch of people out, you start to believe that you're invincible. Maybe yeah. that's part of what makes you so great. But, you know, uh, something tells me that that was, uh, even if she would have lost, I, I don't think she had to go out quite looking a, as vulnerable as she did. Yeah. I mean, I just, look, Cyborg Cyborg fights like a dude. You know how, like, in comedy, when you talk about, like, women, you'd be like, oh, she's funny like a dude? Cyborg is tough like a dude. I say that when I go on a date with a woman. How was it? She fucked me like a dude. <laughs> <laughs> And after that, I drop the old papers. Like when they make a joke at the news desk, oh, it's going to be a rainy Tuesday. And they drop the old thing. <laughs> All right. I guess we got to wrap up soon. Uh, Chris has given me the fucking things. I'm sorry to Michael Bisping that we lost him. And I'm happy he won that fight, man. I love Henderson. But I thought that as the fight was happening, like, you know, Hendo would be a great ending. But I want to see Bisping continue as champion. I was happy. The fact that Henderson got there to me was great. Yeah, but this, and also fought a super close fight that a yeah. lot of people thought he won. It look, it's in my opinion, it's better for the UFC to have Michael Bisping having that title and not have Dan Henderson retire with the title. I don't like that. I agree. Um, and you know, Michael Bisping, he's a great champion. You know, he's also like it kind of reminds me of Forrest Griffin in a weird way. It's like he only has you know rock'em sock'em tough fucking fights. You know, yeah. they're always exciting. And um, look, dude, when you know a guy like that, <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat watching this fight like. 
like feeling every single shot. It's terrifying. But as a fan, you gotta love it. It's like, dude, you, you know, you never know what's gonna happen in the sport. And I think Michael Bisping is a perfect example of the type of fighter that exemplifies that idea. But he's like Trump in a way, in the way that he goes right for the atomic bomb. Like immediately, what is so far as question? Yeah, knocked out by a fucking jab. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> oh, he doesn't fucking play games, Bisping. <laughs> I miss Matt. I love Louis J. Gomez, a great uh, co-host, and I'm happy you were able to do these. I appreciate it. I think Matt might actually call in in just a second. We'll allegedly. Just allegedly. Yeah. He's all fucking yeah. gallivanting. Uh, he's got to be so fed up. He must be so fed up. Yeah, I can't do with it. With Florida by this point. Hey, Matt. Yo, Jimmy. Hi, buddy. Louis. What up, dog? What's up, guys? What's going on, man? We had now, how far along are we in the show? Did you guys talk to anybody yet? We or? had Forrest Griffin on, Michael Bis Michael Bisping was so funny, and so was Forrest, but they're both on their cell phones. And and Michael, you know, Gegard Musasi uh called him out at the end and said I would beat him easily. And Michael goes, Oh yeah, and then the fucking call dropped. So like he, oh, Bisping yeah. was about to unload with a great quote and or, we lost it. Or he was about to go, you know what? I think he's right, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what he was or gonna say. Or he was uh, he did that shit on purpose that he's going through a tunnel so he could save it for the fucking countdown with him and Lewis fucking Jay Gomez. That's, That's true. What he's probably waiting to do. God he damn. wants to drop the bombs on his show. Don't let him fool you. Madison. Hey, listen, what a fucking what a fucking fight, no? Yes. So how'd you feel about the decision? Now let me tell you. Let me just explain how like I watched it, man. Because it was a late day at fucking Disney, and I wanted I trying to get home in time. I want to go to P.F. Chang's and the kids are, I was uh, outnumbered. I had to go to fucking P.F. I got to, the, I, I saw the, I saw the whole thing. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I saw it, like I knew he survived, this thing survived that early onslaught, which I'm forever hating that I went to fucking P.F. Chang's for. I mean, dude, that, watching that live, Lewis, you probably fucking dying, you no? Know? Oh my God, dude. L losing my mind. <laughs> um, yeah, I, and I, I, I think I talked about it when you were on my show. But when you yeah. know somebody, the stakes become so much higher. It actually makes me okay. not enjoy watching Michael Bisping fights. I love the sport, but when he fights, I'm like biting my nails. No, I listen. I, I totally. I'm like that when my guys fight. I'm like that in the corner. I get, I get fucking. I'm just so emotionally involved with my guys. I, I know you the feeling. I knew the on. I knew what happened that he got out of those rounds because I caught it. I caught it live from the fourth and fifth round. So I knew he survived that shit. It was still like holy shit. But uh, I'll tell you about Bisping. He's got to be one of the most well-conditioned athletes. I know people talk about it before, how he's in, always in great shape. But just the, the fact, you could be in phenomenal shape, and you could take a shot like that, and it could just, it, it, all that, that cardio could be for nothing because it, it could just cut it in half. But he started that. And know what's even more uh, 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 interesting is that in between rounds, I, I like to listen to what the guys say. And he asked Jason Perillo what he got hit with in that first round between rounds. He's like, what he hit me? What he get me with? And then he let him know about the right hand. So that shows you how fucking hard he got hit. Fuck. And then he came out that second round. He never took the foot off the gas. He, he I mean, to get, he, he, he never cowered from another one of those shots coming, man. He just kept on him. So it was exciting as shit, man. He's ballsy as fuck. Matt, have you? Uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure you have. I. Uh... But have you ever been like really hurt like that where you're bleeding, one of your eyes are closed, you're in a fight? How much does that take you out of the fight? And how much are you concentrating on you being hurt and not being hit in that same place again? No, to, to be honest, and I'm, I'm sure Michael I, I, he probably said something similar. I don't think it might. See, the eye is different because it could actually affect, um, you know, what you're seeing, obviously, uh, out there. So that, that affects a lot. 
I mean, I had one where uh, with Lytle, my last fight, I got like 50 stitches. I got a, we, we clashed heads in the begin at the end of the first round. So I and I had like a vagina on my head. It was, it was but it was in my eye. Like, I knew I liked you for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> the majority of uh, the damage done to this thing was from that fucking right hand. That was, I mean, it got worse over the the next four rounds. Right, but. That that's what that first right hand. That's what give him, gave him that fucking that that opened him up and, and practically closed his eyes. Well, apparently he said it was the elbow that he he came to the ground with the elbow, and that's actually what oh, really did the shit. damage on the eye. Yeah, well, I mean that first onslaught. You know what I mean? Which which he survived, which I think the guy deserves a crazy amount of credit for. And, and man, I'm telling you, he never. He started that second round like it was the, the first round. Like it's not like he said, "All right, now I got to be hesitant." He just went right after him and. Yeah, that that that's that's impressive as a fighter. That's you know what I mean. It, is it, it was fucking? It was something to watch. It, it must be really weird because I mean, you know, Bisping. He's been very vocal right after the fight. He went on a barrage of attacks against everybody in the middleweight yeah. division, as he does. <laughs> yeah. But your boy Weidman is a guy yeah. who obviously he has his sights on. I know for a fact Bisping. He thinks that uh, Weidman's going to be able to beat Romero. I think everyone thinks Weidman's going to yeah. beat Romero. Yeah. Um, not looking past Romero. But, you know, you and Bisping have become pretty friendly over the years. How difficult is it for you when you have your guy going in fighting a guy that you're friends with to kind of, you know, be in that position? Because certain guys get very emotional when you even pick against them. Um, as far as with, like, me, like, cornering Chris and yeah. Mike? Yeah, yeah, I mean, is it just oh, kind no. of a difficult position yeah. to be in? Well, the thing is this. I'm, I'm not – see, Mike, I consider, an, like, you know, a, a good acquaintance. I'm happy to see him when I see him. I always get along with the guy. I, um, I think more, I believe more than once. We, you know, we shared, we had a drink together, and you know, and bullshit. I, I get along with the guy. I respect the guy. Uh, the guy gets a, a, all my respect as a fight. The guy's a warrior, man. I, and I like the I like the guy that he's himself and he's unapologetic about it. He doesn't. He's not trying to put on an act. I think right. the guy, even when he tries to say something, he'll catch himself and be like, I, don't, I might sound like a dick, but what? He doesn't give a fuck. When you have a core around you, like of uh, family and friends, and it really, it, it doesn't matter what the majority of people think about you. And I think that's where his head's at—that he don't really give a fuck. And uh, I really, and I, and I, and I really like the guy for it. But hey, listen, I don't think he would respect me the same if he doesn't think that when I'm cornering Chris, I would do everything in my power to try to take him out. You know what I mean? Of course. I mean, that's I'm, I'm loyal to my guys, just like you're loyal to yours. You know. And so, you know, I, I like Mike a lot, but, you know, I love Chris. Chris is considered family. So, you know, that's a no-brainer. Of course. And, and obviously that's a fight that you guys want to see down the future. Listen, I 100%. I, I purposely, I know they've been going back and forth about some shit, but, it, like, I purposely don't read, I don't listen to everything. Like, stuff like last night, of course I'm going to hear that. But, like, like, when they get into, like, the nitty-gritty, and I even did your show, and he brought something up about Chris, and... Chris said, I wasn't, it's the first time I heard of it, because I try not to, like, I don't want to hate Mike. I like Mike. You know what I'm saying? Hello. Um, I'm in an area that's quiet over here. I don't know. Hi, how you doing? And I don't know. I think it's only for the staff, so I'm <laughs> getting weird. Looks. Are you still at Disney? But, um, <laughs> I'm at Universal. <laughs> Homie, listen to me. Let me tell you, man. My kids, they better appreciate this shit. But, uh, yeah, dude, how many days at the park? I'm about to fucking... I'm really, I had my limit, dude. Matt, I've never heard of anyone going to Disney literally for as long as you've been there. <laughs> I, you know what it is? When I go, I try to go big, man. Like, with, 
that's all you do. Then your kids remember this for life, you know. It's, it's, it's more important than leaving them with a trust fund. When do you, you know, come home? Seriously. I'm coming home tomorrow, man, and I can't wait. I miss you, homie. I miss I you, do. too. I'm not trying to make this weird and, it's not weird. you know, awkward. Well, Jim's got his dick out, so. Yeah, but I did before he called. Jim, I, 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 was, away. I was just happy that Matt was calling, and I pulled it out out of respect because <laughs> it's always out when he's in here. Hey, and listen, really quick, a couple other things on the card. Uh, um, what's his name? Uh, you just talked about Gerard. No, I'm only kidding. Gegard, Mustasi. <laughs> how, how impressive is that fucking guy? Amazing, dude. Yeah. An amazing win. But is it, a, is it him being impressive, or is it we've just seen the last of Vitor? Oh, come on, Lewis. No, I, Way to hurt I, no his feelings. not at all. I think it's it. Look at his, look at his, look at his fights. What does he have? Like, I, and you know, I'm, I don't, I don't have my cheat sheet in front of me, but he's got like 30 stoppages with like close to 40 fights or something like that. The guy, and the guy's dangerous everywhere. He's, and he's so calm. He's like, he's like Fedor type calm. Like he's calm. He's accurate with his strikes. I mean, I, you don't, where's a real weakness in the guy? I just think that the guy is so fucking mellow, like his demeanor. It's almost like he's sleepwalking sometimes when he's walking into the cage and he's not a loud guy that I think he's getting overlooked. But I think that guy's definitely a dark horse in the division. I don't know why he should be, but like to the fans or whatever else, he's not as, as loud and, and his personality's kind of laid back. He's coming out of the shell now, though. I yeah. heard him on some shit saying, hey, what do I got to do? Throw some bottles or do this or that? He's like, do I got to say fuck? Do I got to? He's funny, man. I think he's, he's kind of getting fed up. And then he was calling out, uh, calling out the champ. But I like that, man. I love that guy in the mix because that guy, everybody's talking about everybody else. Don't get me wrong. I feel Chris Wyman's getting that belt back. But yeah. <laughs> fucking, that guy, fucking Musashi, is a fucking stud, yeah. man. Yeah, he really is. You know? And what about the rumors of, uh, you, you have some inside information here, Matt. Drop a bomb on us today. What about the rumors of Anderson Silva versus George St. Pierre? For GSP's comeback. Oh man, dude, I, dude, I know as much as you. I was hanging out with Dana um, when he, before he he about by a UFC 200. We were shooting a show. Uh, Dana White looking for a fight. Mm. Sorry, uh, yeah, you can see, see it on YouTube. It's great. Uh, we were shooting that LA episode around uh, UFC 200, and he didn't even tell me. Man, he knew. He was like, oh, I can't wait till tonight. He doesn't tell me shit. I mean, before the Brock Lesnar thing came out, like he wasn't. So I mean, I'm Dana's my boy, but he don't he don't tell me anything. <laughs> I don't, well, I'll, I'll I know tell absolutely you, nothing. Dana texted me about this. I'll let you know off the air. I'm not going to say it on the air, but nice. Dana. Uh, I just wanted to sound like I'm, I, I got the skinny. I really don't. Yeah. This is the first I've heard of. Hey this. man, the whole <laughs> the whole card the whole card was great though the other night. It really was. Hey, did you hear they're fighting yeah, in the, New uh, York? Was that legalized? <laughs> Guy who's way behind. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Hey, Matt, you got to talk to Dana, man. I got to get a ticket because you're fucking cornering Weidman, so you got it in. I'm worried I'm not going to get into New York. Dude, you and my wife. Am I going? I guess the biggest show. I go, honey, I got work for me. I tell her. All right, well, just, anyway, just talk yeah, dude, to Dana. Jimmy, I'll go to, don't you have a fucking agent? I'm only kidding. I got your back, Jimmy. Thank you. I'll get you in. I'll put you in my fucking backpack, you little fucker. I miss you, dude. Thank you. I miss you. I'm looking forward to seeing you. We got to wrap up. We're an hour and 31 minutes into the show. We're done. Ah, oh, you fuck. You saved the best for last. Oh, Dewey. Guys, I miss you guys. Louie, take care, man. Matt, and, thanks, uh, dude. So, talk to you soon, people. brother. You did, you, did, you did too good a job. I'll talk to you guys later. Have a safe flight back, right? Thanks, homie. Take Bye, care. buddy. Bye-bye. Yeah, Matt, uh, he's got to be going fucking nuts. I've never yeah. been on vacation that long. No. The kids and fun. I guess maybe it's fun if the kids are having fun or they enjoy it, but too long. All right, I got a quick plug. Uh, Philadelphia is now on sale. It just went on sale. I'm uh, warming up for my special October 27th, 28th, 29th, and 30th. 
I will be at the Helium Comedy Club. I'm doing a bunch of repetition of sets. And this Saturday, I will be making my first appearance in Reno. I want to go out there. And I may go to the Bunny Ranch on Friday. I've been. It is a good time. Is it fun? I should call Dennis. I've never been. It is a good, good time, my Maybe friend. Maybe I'll smooch with the young lady. <laughs> I'll tell you some stories off the air. Yeah, really? Yeah. All right, cool. And then I'll come back and tell them on. I'll just claim them as my own. So go to jimnorton.com if you want to see me. If not, I give up. What do you want me to tell you? I'm finished in this business. Um, thank you so much to our champion, Michael Bisping. Congratulations on defending your belt in a very impressive fashion. Forrest Griffin, who's always fun, and of course, my pal Matt and Louis J. Gomez. Any uh, any uh, plugs, Louis? Uh, yeah, check out The Countdown every Thursday, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard, Sirius XM Rush 93, myself and the UFC middleweight champion, Michael Bisping. And I have two podcasts, Legion of Skanks and The Real Ass Podcast, both available at gasdigitalnetwork.com. And uh, also, we just started uh, doing this awesome uh, tournament for the Roastmasters, which is the New York version of the famous Roast Battle right. show in LA. Jeff Ross and, and uh, Brian Moses both produced the show as well. It's every other Tuesday night at the stand here in New York City. Tickets are always free. Go to the standnyc.com. The next one is on the 18th. We got the great Ron Bennington coming in to judge. Bobby Kelly's coming in to judge. Hopefully, Jim Norton will be doing one one it's day. It's just late. That's always I know, really hard. I know. You, uh, you're one of you're one of our uh, the guys that we really want to get to do on. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only the, the fact that it's so late. It's not that I want to do it. Of course, I, mean, I, I hate passing stuff up like that. It had to be like if you guys ever do it on a Thursday when I'm off the next day, or yeah. then I'll do it. Um, oh yeah, and I'm on every morning with uh, Sam Roberts, the Jim Norton and Sam Roberts show, which has been getting very good reviews. One weekend, let's hope it lasts. <laughs> Thank you guys. Uh, for, I need to end with something. I have to get like a poignant thing at the end. Yeah, you know what I mean. You know what I mean? Don't do, fan, do fan questions. That's always the easy way. Do, no, but I mean like a statement. Three. Like oh. Dr. Laura says, go take on the day. Which is really like, shitty. Like outro music, like some sort of like thing. Or Jerry or Jerry uh, Springer would, you know, be good to each other. Right. I, I need one. How about, uh, I, I got to head out because I'm probably going to shit my pants. <laughs> this has been a digital media production. Find your voice. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.